2: I have my co host online with me, Robert Deal, and it is Sunday, February 11th, 2019. And uh, stay tuned a little bit later because we're going to have Open Martial Arts Farm. We're going to be talking about a couple subjects that were already suggested to us. Um, but yeah, give us the call a little bit later, about 630 or so, 347 677 0699. As always, I'm over here with Bob Deal. Bob, how you doing, man?
3: Good, good. Doing very, very well. So this should be cool. an interesting show, though. A couple of interesting subjects yeah. came up from from our our listeners and viewers that not well. A lot of it could be controversial. It could be a learning experience. It could be a little soul searching, a little digging, a little bit. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. It should be an interesting topic.
2: Yeah, topic, it is um... rather. Topics, exactly. And, you know, whatever other topics that people want to throw in at us a little bit later, but um, two topics came to us from two of our listeners. Uh, One of them uh, was suggested by Tony Collins, and his question is, um, Bruce Lee once pretty much said that traditional stances are pretty much useless. Do you guys agree or disagree? So we're going to go ahead and talk about that. So, you know, if you're a traditional artist, don't don't get your panties in a twist. It's just a discussion about, you know, why you agree or disagree if you're, you know, if you're a traditionalist or if you're a modern martial artist or whatever. Um, And the other subject that was suggested was, um, how did the question go? It was uh, suggested by Janie Larkin-Meiser, who's who's watching right now. And she asks, you know, so what does an advanced, rank do when uh, the dojo or the kun or the dojang or the gym that you're at uh, can't offer anything more in terms of uh, progression in skills um, after a certain ability or something like that. So, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that. Basically, you know, what do you do when you can't advance anymore at your gym or your school? So that's something – those are a couple of things that we're going to be talking about later. And if you have something that you want to talk about, um, give us a call at 347-677-0699. But uh, let's go ahead and get started with the show. We usually start with birthdays. Oh. Unless uh, well, Bob has there was anything a couple topics to talk though. about as far as there fun stuff.
3: A... I, I do. I got okay. a little irritated that my daughter – she doesn't Uh-oh. understand – blood. She doesn't understand we're talking family. We're not talking real you know, uh family like you and I are family. We're talking blood relatives.
4: Yeah. Okay. So
3: I asked her in October. All I wanted her to do October ninth was call or text her uncle, my brother, and wish him a happy birthday. All she okay. said to me was, Dad, I'm really busy right now. I'm in college and I'm like, honey this will take you literally five seconds. Type it out, send it to him. Here's his number. She was too busy to do it. So, last Sunday was my son's birthday, her brother's. And she mm-hmm. still wouldn't do it. And every time I asked her on Monday if she'd done it, I asked her twice, she wouldn't answer me or, or would she respond. She doesn't what? understand. When, when I'm gone, he will still be there for her. I don't know what problems they've had. I don't really care. They are still brother and sister, and I don't want them to go through the same problems that my brother and I went through because he's nine and a half years older than I am. I want them to be there for each other. And it takes you two seconds to make a phone call or to send a text. That's it. I sent her a text on Friday. It was her birthday. I expected the same thing of her. And I was was beyond livid.
2: You know, at that age, and I'm trying to remember how it was for me when I was that age, and, and all of us out there should too, okay, when your parents say you should do this, you should do that, you know, with good intentions, right? You should, you know, get a hold of your auntie for your birthday or some for her birthday or something like that, or you should contact your uncle and send him a quick thank you note and tell him thank you for that for that cool guitar or whatever, right? And in our teenage brains, we hear you need to do this or else. <laughs> And then what do you do? You go well, you know, you, you find all of these these excuses how not to do it and stuff like that. But on the other hand, you're feeling pretty damn important that you're busy, that you've got all this and that and the other. So it's kind of like a a weird combination of I I don't have time to to have two seconds, and I feel pretty important that I'm that I'm uh, busy and going to college or uh, working or whatever. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh you know
3: yeah, I mean? and she, yeah. she, you know, she wanted do me that. to bring her a, uh, she wanted me to bring her a case of water this weekend, and oh, son of a bitch, Rusty, I was too busy. Too. <laughs> <laughs> I just didn't have the time. I don't know how it <laughs> happened. I just, I just had too much on my plate to to take her a case of water like she asked.
2: Yeah, <laughs> or you know. You know, honey, I'm I'm driving. You know, I'm I'm remember I drive for Uber and uh, I'm in the middle of a ride. I can't do that. I don't have the time to take you to the mall or to take you to but go But she also see... didn't
3: didn't realize that yes, I was driving, but I was by UCLA like two or three times this weekend.
0: Ah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But of course,
3: one of them was like five o'clock this morning, so I wasn't gonna call her.
2: John Lupo said. <laughs> And Bob, that's just plain cold.
3: (laughs) Absolutely. friggin John. Absolutely. Uh,
0: Absolutely.
3: Because now, if it would have taken, if I would have asked her to do something that would have taken an hour or two hours or three hours, absolutely, I'd understand. Absolutely. Because she's so busy. But when it comes to seconds, it would take her less than a minute Don't before you go to sleep at night, text them, you're done. And that's why I was so upset because it would have taken her literally less than a minute. And don't tell me that you don't have that kind of time that every single second of your day is taken up by something.
2: You know, I was born at night, it
3: wasn't last night,
2: yeah. You know, it's funny, like, when, my ki- when I give my kids at my school, some of the kids, not all, but when I give uh, some of the kids at my school, like, homework, like, okay, you know, this, this and that person, they need work on their, you know, inward strikes or something like that. So, you know, Billy, in you your homework is that, you know, 30 times in the morning, you practice your inward strikes from your bow stance, um, and three uh, times at night, okay, until next week, and believe me, I'll know if you practice. Okay, so I, I I give that, and then the next week comes and and I said so we could do that homework because um I just watched your inward strike, no, she, knew I didn't have time. Like, oh, that's too bad. About the homework, yeah. And then I'll start talking about something else, and I'll say that it's uh kind of like you know that Walking Dead TV show, and I'll go Billy, what's your favorite TV show? And he's like blah blah blah, you know. Um, and they almost always say it's my favorite show. I'm like really, when is that? I've never. I've never really heard of that. It was on on Thursday nights or whatever, right? Oh, do you watch it? What's it like? Yeah, I watched it yesterday. You watched it yesterday, and you didn't have time to practice 30 inward struts. And everyone goes, <laughs> <laughs> you are so busted. Anyway. <laughs> You know, and so okay, is. so this cool
3: thing it. happened, and we, we were we were sort of alluding to it before we came live on Blog Talk Radio. Oh. I had this very interesting override last Sunday night, and I, like I said, I never get starstruck until last Sunday. And this guy hasn't been around; he's retired long ago. He was a famous boxer from the '70s that appeared on the TV show Taxi Tony Danza where he actually hit Danza and he was telling me about it. He was playing himself as a pro boxer. Now Tony Danza is a pro boxer or what? Mm -hmm. And I said, I, that was what I told him. I said, I remember that you actually really hit him. And he said, he left his head there too long. (laughs) (laughs) This guy was, was now maybe you'll know the fight. This guy, remember Roberto Duran.
2: Yeah, I do. Sorry, I was reading he comments. He fought Roberto yeah. Duran. Oh, really?
3: Yes. And this his was name in... was Carlos Palomino.
2: Yeah, Carlos Carlos Palomino. So, but that was like, was that in the early seventies, uh, early eighties? No, or? that was
3: mid 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 to, mid to late seventies. He's long retired now. He's helping at risk youths, and he's like sixty nine years old. Uh, guy's in right. great shape, but it was Super Bowl Sunday. When I picked him up, his wife called an Uber for him, and I thought his mm-hmm. wife was messing with me. His, his wife says, be careful, you have Carlos Palomino on the back. Like, I know who he was, right? Right. And then he says, no, I'm really Carlos Palomino, and that's when I just lost it. I friggin' lost it. I lost my <laughs> mind, right, when I found out who this guy was. I looked at him and said, man, I thought your wife was lying to me. She says, no. Did. Now, I Googled him afterwards. Because his wife had a very unusual spelled name. And when I Googled him, it came up with his picture and everything else. And at the bottom it said wife so-and-so. And that was her name that called me. So I verified oh. it was really him.
2: So do you get It was get just people, very cool. Just out of curiosity, and this is for any Uber driver out there, do you guys get people that, like, that like ask for a ride and they make up a name? Yeah. Oh <laughs> you yeah, know, like for yeah. Sure, all the
3: time, I've, I've gotten you. people that have letters. That I, there's one girl that that goes to New York Film Academy, and when her name comes up, all it is is Q. That's it. Q, just Q. That's Q. it.
2: Just, just Q. <laughs> yeah. Wasn't there? Could have sworn there was like a, uh, uh what do you call it? A, a Star Trek character by the name of Q. There was. There was a Star Trek character. No, that was,
3: that was James Bond.
2: Oh. Yeah. Remember Maybe. the head
3: guy? He was cute.
2: I could have sworn there was one for unless Star well,
3: Trek. Unless Star Trek had one as well. Uh, you know, we've so, got... So that was, that was very cool.
2: Ah. That was cool. That's that's cool. I'm just looking at the comments, and we've already got some discussion going on in the back back room there, in the uh, comments, uh, talking about stance And... Um, One of the uh, first comments that came in, let me read it here, Steve Lidligan, hey, Steve, how you doing? He writes, I would like to know where Tony Klintz heard Bruce Lee say stances were useless. I believe he might have taken something a little bit out of context. Bruce Lee went into detail on his Dijong fighting stance in his uh, Tao of Jeet Kune Do book, which was uh, published after his death. And um, Dan Arola, hey, how you doing, Dan? Dan says, I believe Bruce Lee meant that stances are useless when used statically and not in fluidity, basically. Um, and Steve responds, everyone has a fighting posture or stance. This is the thing I could ever imagine being attached to Bruce Lee. So, yeah. And... Um, you just broke- oh. oh, sorry. And uh, Tony Collins says, yes, there was Q on Star Trek, but it was on the Star Trek oh, The Next okay. Generation. Yeah. So I was, uh, I was, uh, and then, um, and then Steve goes, well, now we're trying to assume what the man was trying to say, a mistake in general. (laughs) Uh, And then everyone's like, no, that was Star Trek, not James Bond, Star Trek, the next generation. There was a character named Q and I hated that, that character. Anyway, let's move on with our show. Let's get started with birthdays. What do we have on your end there, Bob?
3: Uh, well, on the 11th, we have uh, one of Tony Collins' students, Derek Brown, which we met, what was it, two years ago at the Roosevelt? God, mm-hmm. that seems like a long time ago.
0: Long time uh, ago.
3: It's- I know. Long time ago. Uh, now, and on the 14th, we have our good friend TJ Storm, now, my wife will kill me if I don't mention this. On the fifteenth of this month is our thirty-third anniversary.
0: Woo! Is this
2: serious? Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, you know, I guess, I, I guess I'd kill you too if <laughs> you but, got some.
3: You know, I guess when 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 I mention it to people that know both of us. Mm -hmm. The response I get is they look at her and go, how the hell did you do it? (laughs) And the weird thing is, these are friends and family of mine.
2: (laughs) And they're like, how did you manage that? That's kind of, that's kind of, (laughs) yeah. Absolutely, oh,
3: so oh, right. on, on the 16th we have uh, forms um, an amazing forums compre- competitor out of San Diego, Jessica Brew Her birthday is on the 16th and a good friend of ours and a good friend of the show this is the Last time I think we saw him was the Cynthia Ross, Rothrock roast and that mm-hmm. is Jerry Baxter
2: Nice, right on well, I have a few birthdays, too. Uh, tomorrow, the 12th, uh, Robert Dante. He's a skilled whipmaster. On the 14th, we've got Craig Jorgensen, Carl Krauser-Hasegawa, and Esther Howard. On the 16th, we've got Mike Hopkins and Abigail Mo. And on the 17th, Kelly Palcha and Russ Lang. So for everyone having a birthday... Uh, This week, the 11th through the 17th, this tune is for you. Do
3: you, not, do you ever forget that people are actually watching you? Uh,
2: sometimes, yeah. <laughs> like, okay. like when the, I, I was I'm just jam, wondering, I'm just, I'm just jamming. No, I I actually knew that uh, that I was jamming out when I brought up the uh, the uh, slide there because I had to I was, I had to bring it up because I'm like, what's going on with my text? All of a sudden I had martial arts discussion day and it was like this big and I, so I had to bring I know. it up. I'm just jamming out, <laughs> but sometimes, though, I do forget that, you know, my my camera's up or something like that, and I'm, like, you know, looking at my phone or something like that, I look pretty stupid, but, uh, you know. All right, news and announcements. Um, I don't have anything here local um, that I know of, um, but uh, what's going on down there in the sunny California? The next few months there. We've got the telethon. We've got,
3: yes, we have the telethon next month on the 25th and 6th of March at the Martial Arts History Museum, 2319 West Magnolia Boulevard in the city of Burbank, 91502, I believe. Uh, We're going to have entertainment again, possibly magicians, comics, singers, musicians, lots of martial arts demos. We're going to try to get the temperamental back. Uh, Joel Ward, the magician, which was amazing. Uh, And I think this will be the last one, not the last telethon, but we're finally setting a precedent to have an annual. This will be our annual telethon instead of having one at the beginning and then having one at the end and then having one at the beginning. No, we're just going to have one a year and this will be it.
0: Cool. And the hours
3: Yay. will be the same. It'll be, it'll be Saturday from 11 to s- uh, midnight and on Sunday it'll be 11 to 6.
2: Okay? Nice. Everyone got uh, that?
3: so that that <laughs> yeah. was that's pretty cool. We, then we have of course Dragon Fest coming up on the 25th and the 6th of August. The last yeah. weekend. Uh that that'll be awesome. They've They've got people com- coming down, you know, T.J. Storm, Cynthia Rothrock, Don the Dragon Wilson, Benny the Jet, Carrie Wong, Doug Wong, uh, Michael Jai White's on the flyer. I don't know if he's coming down again. Uh, we've just got a bunch of people. Uh, the guy who played Boomer from uh, from Star Trek, Herb Jefferson, uh, Jeffries, is going to be there. Uh, we're going to be there. Uh, it's just mm-hmm. a lot of stuff happening It's going to happen at the uh, Pickwick – Garden and Banquet Facility in Burbank On Riverside I can't remember the address It's on the corner of Riverside, Maine uh, mm-hmm. But they, they have activities If you want to bring the kids They have a bowling alley They have an ice skating rink They have an arcade they, they With the arcade they have pool tables If you want to bring the kids down It's a family atmosphere It's going to be a great weekend uh, I'm looking forward to it This is Parking's going to be free. Yay! <laughs> Not the 16 bucks <laughs> we had to pay last year.
4: You know what, uh, have, Yeah.
3: <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and, yeah, I know. I, I had trouble with that because I had to pay two days in a row. Uh, but And they have a huge parking lot. Now, the mm-hmm. next day, it's going to be $30 entrance fee for Dragon Fest.
2: Kids okay.
3: 17 and under are no charge. So bring the okay. kids.
2: Wow, 17 uh, and under. The next age.
3: day, yeah, I know, right? Is it like 13 and under? So anybody yeah. that's not an adult does not have to pay,
4: hmm. which is okay. really it's cool. Uh,
0: <clears throat>
3: so so Janie, lie about your age and it's okay. <laughs> so she's coming all the way from Kentucky.
2: Yeah, can't wait to see you, girl. Can't wait to see you.
3: <laughs> I know she should come. Like I said, come down one day earlier. Something we'll go out to dinner before the festivities start. Uh, but Saturday after the dragon fest, we get all go over across the street to the Mexican restaurant. They're going to give us all discounts on our food nice. as long as we're from dragon fest. The mm-hmm. next day, it's also a $30 admission for a seminar day. They're going to have 10 seminars for five hours to two an hour. Going on simultaneously, and some of them mm-hmm. are going to be like Don Wilson, Cynthia Rothrock, Benny, the Jeddak uh just to name a few. And they're all, so that's basically $5 a seminar to study with some of the best.
0: Right. Nice.
3: So it's going to be a great, great time. Uh, I forgot what, oh, shoot, and I think I erased his text. I hope not, but I think I did because I added him to my, to my, uh, Yeah, I did. Damn it. Uh, Got a text from Jim Thomas. Uh, The Mm -hmm. Los Angeles USA Hall of Fame has been moved from Burbank, which is a real drag for me, but it's been moved to the Doubletree Hotel, which is in Culver City, which is pretty close to LAX. Mm -hmm. And that's happening like the last weekend in March. In May, I'm sorry. In May. So that's Uh going to be really cool. Nice. Okay. So I'm look, really looking forward to that. And the other thing is that I got c- contacted by James Wilson today
4: uh-huh. about
3: supporting <laughs> the martial arts kit uh, nice. financially on Indiegogo. I-N-D-I-E-G-O-G-O. I guess that's where independent films try to raise money.
0: Specifically right,
3: right. he's he did last time for for Martial Arts Kid One, it was uh what is it? Uh Jumpstart. He did a jump start program. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, and that's
3: it's got some this one has some new players in it, some old players. You know, John's gonna be in it, Cynthia Rothrock, uh T coming back, uh Matthew Zip is coming back. And they've added some other ones. Uh, Chuck Zito is going to get a much larger part in this one. He's going to p- play one of the major characters. Uh, mm-hmm. Vince Sari is going to be in it, uh, which he just announced. Uh, and I'm trying – so go to Indiegogo.com, and I guess search, because all I've got is the – the. Uh, well, I can copy the link. and I'm going to post the link on my page. But go to Indiegogo.com. Search Martial Arts Kid Two, and uh, wow, they've already raised thirty thousand and two dollars. Really? With a hun- with hundred and forty seven people, and there were two that gave a, a couple thousand dollars prior to to uh, starting Indiegogo. So they're they're doing pretty well now. The first one, as I remember, they raised like two hundred seventy five thousand dollars to do the film. So they did mm-hmm. very well on one. Hopefully they do as well on two. Uh, he hit me up for a donation, but he knows I'm broke. Uh, so, <laughs> But he said any little bit will help, you know, 10, 5, 25, 50, 100, whatever you, you, you'd like to give to be part of, uh, of this, go ahead and give a little bit. They'll really appreciate it.
2: Nice. All right. Very cool. Well, I don't have any news. So, I guess with that said, we can move on to the health news, I believe. Hey, where's my health news stinger? My health news stinger disappeared. <laughs> Let me find it. Where did it go? I had it. everything all lined up. And here we go. Okay. Uh, yeah. All right. So, you know... Those uh, energy drinks, well, there's uh, been a few studies these out, and uh, the sites uh, are looking at the effects that the highly caffeinated energy drinks have on children, and it's been, um, it's been surmised that these uh, energy drinks are not safe at all for children and teens and should not even be marketed to them, a leading sports medicine organization warns. Now, the American College of Sports Medicine um, this past Friday released an official statement about the beverages. And I quote, energy drinks are extremely popular and concerns about their consumption are coming from every sector of society, which is why we've published these recommendations, said Dr. John Higgins. He's an associate professor of medicine at the University of Texas McGovern Medical School in Houston. Now, children and teens appear to be particularly high at risk of complications from energy drinks because of smaller body size and uh, chemistry makeup and stuff like that. Um, But they're worried about the potentially heavy and frequent use, according to the statement. And uh, that's usually because um, kids, you know, don't have that acquired taste for coffee yet. And they'd much rather not have coffee. They want something that's sweet and uh, carbonated and stuff like that. A uh, warning applies to beverages like Red Bull and Full Throttle um, Monster, that kind of thing. And the fact that they are not meant for children needs to be emphasized and widely publicized, the group stated. Quote, unquote, our review of the available science showed that excessive levels of caffeine found in energy drinks can have adverse effects on cardiovascular neurological, gastrointestinal, renal, and endocrine systems, as well as psychiatric systems, Um, uh, psychiatric symptoms, my bad, Uh, Higgins said in a ACSM news release. More needs to be done to protect children and adolescents as well as adults with cardiovascular and other medical conditions, he added. Now, among the group's recommendations, number one, Stop marketing to at-risk groups, especially children. This includes marketing energy drinks at sporting events involving children and teens. Uh, Number two, do not consume energy drinks before, during, or after intense exercise. Some deaths linked with energy drinks occurred when a person consumed energy drinks before and or after vigorous activity. Number three, educate consumers about the differences between soda, coffee, sports drinks, energy drinks. Energy drink education should be included in school nutrition, health, and wellness classes. Doctors also discuss energy drink use with their patients, and healthcare providers are also urged to report any harmful side effects to watchdog agencies such as the Consumer Product Safety Commission, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, and the Poison Control Center. Now, the statement which um, also called for more research into the safety of energy drinks, was published February 9th this past Friday in the Journal of Current Sports Medicine Reports. So there you go. (laughs) Be careful. Don't feed those energy drinks to your toddlers or your kids and, yeah, even teens. Russ Ebert writes, wow, not even teens? So, yeah, it's kind of wild. And then uh, Kay Chin writes, Kids need to drink water, or water. <laughs> there you go. So, you know, drinking, drinking soda, and then all you drink, that's all you drink, is uh, that's bad. It's bad. Get some water, folks. Anyway, <clears throat> so, with that said, I think, I think it's time for the weird news. Ah, I lost my weird news stinger. Here it is. It's time for weird, weird news. <laughs>
3: Well, <laughs> and I want to make a correction because I saw it on on, on our, our uh, video feed. Jim Thomas corrected me. It's actually the USA Hall of Fame is May 19th.
2: Wow, okay. May 19th. I'm and okay. the
3: meet and greet, yeah, the meet and greet would be the 18th then, Friday night. And they're still looking wow. for a venue. Hopefully one of the ones I sent them will work out. So, I have heard it all now. Santa Ana, California. It still won't make her smile, but Grumpy Cat has won some scratch. A California what? jury yeah, yeah this what this is a this is out there. This is out there.
0: Okay. A
3: California jury gave the furry frown queen more than seven hundred dollars. Thousand dollars this week in a federal lawsuit over the use of her identity.
2: Wait, 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 Now wait, it's wait, weird okay. the way they worded it. They offered settlement money to a cat. Is that what this is saying? To a cat. Cat. Wow. That's C-A-T. crazy. Wow.
3: That that's <laughs> insane. Because is a cat suing this person or company? No, the owner <laughs> is suing the company. So the, it's not like all of a sudden the cat's going to be set in kibble for life.
2: The <laughs> owner's going to go
3: out and pay off their house.
2: Yeah, exactly. So, okay, yeah. so let's hear the rest of the story because uh, now I'm curious. All right, all right.
3: All right. Okay. According to documents obtained by the Washington Post, owner Tabitha Bundenson of Morristown, Arizona, won the lawsuit first filed three years ago against the Grenade Beverage Company.
2: And everybody <laughs> okay.
3: remembers Morris the Cat, so it's funny, she's from Morristown.
2: Oh, yeah. I remember Morris the Cat. <laughs> nice. All right. She's,
3: she signed on for the Cat to endorse a grumpy cat, grumpuccino but the company sub- subsequently used the cat's image to sell other products, which an eight-person jury on Monday found was unauthorized. Ironically, while the world-famous feline Grumpy Cat and her valuable brand are most often invoked in a tongue-in-cheek fashion, defendant's despicable misconduct, misconduct here has actually given grumpy cat and her owners something to be grumpy about the complaint (laughs) obtained by the Washington Post. David Joneless, the attorney for grumpy cat limited. See the the cat actually is incorporated grumpy cat limited. Really? How weird is that?
2: Wow. Wow. Okay.
3: Totally. (laughs) So this company, Grumpy Cat Limited, told the Courthouse News the verdict was a complete victory. Wow. <laughs> I know. And, you know, they mentioned not- this cat all over the place, but they they just skim over the owner. Like the owner's yeah. gonna going to really, really gain from this. Yeah. You know,
2: and... I don't know. It's stuff like that. When you said when you when you pretty much said that a cat got this money, right? I all I could do was start in my head. Just <laughs>
3: I know, right? Oh
2: my God. I don't know. All so right. That is my uh, weird
3: go,
0: news.
2: There you go, grumpy cat. Right. Let's move on to entertainment news. Uh,
3: Okay, everybody <laughs> who came up in the nineties remembers the term. Did I that? Steve Urkel. Oh, yeah. The actor was Jaleel yeah. White. Well. Right. Now, from what I understand, from what I remember, he lives in like Phoenix. And you know how I know that because, uh, oh my God, I can't remember the best. Called ball, ball player. Oh, Charles Barkley, got a DUI oh. leaving his house.
2: Hmm. Okay.
3: In Phoenix. And not that he has only one house, but that's where it was then. Hmm. Someone's messing with Jaleel White's pri- prized possessions. Two top dollar electric bikes were burglarized from his home. And you better believe Urkel's pissed.
4: <laughs>
3: <laughs> God. Now remember, and I kid James Blue about this, I've seen Steve Urkel kick the crap out of James Blue. Oh really? On the serious. Yeah, it was it <laughs> okay. was really funny, and of course, I've also seen Amanda Bynes kick the crap out of him too. Oh wow! He's got the kick crap kicked out of him by by all everybody. <laughs> Law enforcement <laughs> sources tell TMZ Jalil discovered one of his garage doors was left unlocked Thursday afternoon, and the thief made off with two with, with uh, let's say thief made off with his ston- stromer electric mountain bikes you know the problem with that Rusty doesn't okay. that defeat the purpose of a mountain bike
2: yeah <laughs> have, you know like <laughs> having
3: it electrified
2: yeah you know but cause, I mean what are you going to do if you're up in the mountains and the battery dies oh my god you've got to go god forbid
3: you got to pedal oh my
2: god you got to pedal holy crap my <laughs> Holy crap, you gotta get training, folks. Anyway.
3: <laughs> exactly. So Jalil tells TMZ, one of the alert neighbors who was aware of the burglary, saw a guy riding around on the bike and snapped a picture. Jaleel says he he's given the photo to the cops and they're investigating. Then the the, the line says, Whoever jacked Jaleel's rides must not know what he does to thieves who mess with him. I don't even know why they <laughs> added that paragraph.
2: I don't know. Well, Russ That's Ebert, like right? a random thought. Yeah. Russ Ebert uh, writes in our comments on our feed, he goes, Urkel has powers he cultivated as a nerd.
3: <laughs> yes. With his pocket protector and his, his duplicating machine.
4: Yes, exactly. I remember.
2: And K Chin writes in, yeah, okay, how about them San Francisco Hills? with the electrified, uh, electrified, uh, bike there. <laughs> All right. I know, right?
3: What? I've, I've, right? I've gone up a, 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 I was, when I was golfing, I was going up a hill and this damn cart ran out of juice.
4: Oh no. It
0: sucked. What, <laughs> what? what happened?
3: Uh, well, we had just, we had just started my instructor turned around from his cart and we just rolled it back down the hill.
2: Oh, okay. So you were completely stuck.
3: No, I wasn't completely <laughs> stuck. It was just going really slow, so he knew it was out of out of power.
2: Oh. <laughs> Man. That's, that bites. Well, let's do this folks. Let's uh go ahead and uh let's uh take a short break uh, and then we will open up the phone line. Um we're running about 15 minutes later, whatever. Sorry about that, folks. And, you know, just keep in mind that when you call in, um, if we don't answer, it's because the phone lines aren't technically open. We don't only, we don't open them until after the first um, section is over. Um, and when you call, you want to press 1, as prompted by the, the sweet little English robot voice. Press 1 to let us know you're in the caller queue. Otherwise, we're just going to keep you listening. We won't pick up your line. Our uh, phone number here is 247-677-0699. But before we open the phone lines, let's take a short break. I need to go get something to drink. Uh, so we'll be right back after this. Don't go away. Assuming it plays. I don't know why it's not playing. Come on. If you own it. a gun, there you have, have a full-time
3: go. responsibility. <laughs> when you aren't using it, be sure it can't get into the hands of curious children, troubled teenagers, a thief, or anyone else who might misuse it. Your family, friends, and neighbors are all counting on you. Remember, always lock it up. For more information on firearm storage safety, visit ncpc.org. This message brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council, the Bureau of Justice Assistance, and the Ad Council.
0: Dear parents, Much of what we learn in this world comes directly from you. Whatever
5: your message is, it will
0: become part of us forever. Please teach
5: us to accept
0: one another. Teach us to respect one another. Please, do not fill our minds with hatred. Do
5: not expose
0: us to bigotry. Do not teach us to judge each other by race, religion, orientation, or the color of our skin. Teach us the concept of tolerance. Teach us to understand one another. Teach us to accept people of different cultures and persons with different beliefs than yours. Please help us to create a world where every man, woman, and child is treated equally. Dear parents, please don't teach us words of hate. We learn from you every moment. If you use certain words which might be hurtful to others, we will repeat that word. Please don't show us acts of hate. If you act against people of different faiths, you will repeat your actions. Dear parents, we are your children, and we are relying on you to help us create a world where every person is tolerant of one another.
2: this little Burbank building. This is the
6: first museum in the world dedicated to martial arts.
0: It it really reflects on the style and the the philosophy of each and every different culture. White eyebrow kung fu, monkey kung fu, the animal styles, Shaolin.
3: Talking about
6: the ninja here.
1: Japan had the samurai.
6: Here we go into our Korean section.
1: In fact, every corner of Asia and the Pacific has its own martial art. It'll be an absolute shame if one day you ask a kid and. He doesn't know who Bruce Lee is.
6: From the history of the Japanese samurai to the artistry of anime, enjoy a look into Asian culture by visiting the Martial Arts History Museum in Burbank.
7: Hi, this is Frank Duke. This is Tito Douglas
6: Wong. Hi, this is Kubu Lua Michelle Manu, and you're listening to Rosita and Bob
0: on the Dynamic Dojo Radio Show.
7: The only place to be to get the real scoop on the real
3: things that are going on in the martial arts world. Do you have an idea for a guest or a topic that you'd like to hear on the Dynamic Dojo Talk Radio Show? If you do. You can email your suggestions and ideas to Dynamic Dojo Radio Post at gmail.com or you can also post it on the Dynamic Dojo Facebook page.
1: You're listening to the Dynamic Dojo Show with Restita and Robert, your source for martial arts talk radio.
2: Okie dokie. If you're just now tuning in, this is Dynamic Jojo Talk TV with Peter and Robert. Uh, we're running uh, about 15 minutes late in uh, opening our phone lines, but our phone line number here is seven seven zero six nine nine. And we already have someone on the line with us. So let's say that we take this call, Bob.
3: Oh, I, I agree.
2: All right, let's do it. Let's uh, click open this mic here. Area code 214. 214, you're on Dynamic Dojo Talk TV. Who's this? Hello, Area code
0: 214. Hello. 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 Who is this? Oh, speaking to me.
7: This is Goldie Mac. What's happening?
0: Oh, hey, Goldie. Hey,
7: Goldie, No, why, <laughs> man? What's up, oh. man?
0: Boom, boom.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
7: well, I'm, I'm down here in Orlando, Florida on vacation. It's 87 degrees out here, sitting on the patio, enjoying the lake and uh, having lots of a good time.
2: Nice. Oh, my goodness. Right on. Very cool. Very cool. So, um, thanks for joining us for our open forum discussion, and since you're on the line with us, i um, to a, we're just gonna, we're just gonna say that you're part of our panel for so as long as we can have you. How does that sound? All right. Sounds good.
4: <laughs>
2: All right. Well, um, one of uh, the subjects on our open forum today was uh, submitted by Master Tony Collins, and he writes, "Quote unquote, Bruce Lee referred to stances as being the most useful. Do you agree or disagree with him, and why?" Now, other people um, on the comments um, had written that um, that maybe Bruce was talking about um, static, locked out, you know, classical samples. Um, Referring to those kind of samples being hard to use in a realistic situation, as opposed to being fluid and Uh, mobile and stuff like that. So anyway, we're going to pose this question to everyone out there um, that's listening on Blog Talk Radio or watching on Facebook Live. So what do you think when it comes to traditional dances? What are your thoughts on that? Do you you agree that they have any benefit at all to martial arts training or or are they just a bunch of bullshit? And you would just uh, leave your comments below or if you want to join us here live on the air give us a call 347-677-0699 now uh, Tim Kiss just wrote in and he goes I'm still curious about the use of the bullwhip in the area of martial arts well Tim I hope to get to that somewhere later on uh, because personally I don't know of any any uh, any other people than the people that I know (laughs) that use whips uh, for martial arts, um you know there is an art called Latico Ibaga, which involves the whip and the dagger um but we'll we hope to get into that a little bit later so um and uh, Daniel Arola says um in a, in reference to the whip, if you get hit by one long enough, and you might be your answer, Tim <laughs> I like that one, man, yeah, now, Russ. And he says stances are just a drill, right? That's a
7: well. You know, Mr. Park used to tell us about stances. Stances are are the foundation of any art. But the problem is 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 that you don't fight from a stance because combat has a life of its own. Right. And actually, you know, you're transitioning from one stance to another in a combative situation. Mm -hmm. Only. You only use the stances, you know, for posing and the like. But for actual combat, there's no way you can use a specific stance in a combat situation and not be static.
4: Right. Okay.
7: Because, um, you know, anybody that has gone through a tournament, especially in the sparring tournament, when they do uh, kata, the stances are perfect and pristine. But the moment they get in the ring to spar, you don't see anybody standing in stances other than the fact that they may be in a posture as they bounce around uh, uh, jockeying for a position. But they right. don't stay in that stance. Mm-hmm. Because it locks you in and you're going you're gonna to get nailed.
2: Exactly. Now, King Chin writes in and he says stances in static are, are important for stamina and strength. Now, you know, I I do play, I do agree with Kay on this in the sense that at, at my studio uh, we do practice holding stances for a certain amount of time, mainly for the stamina, you know, and the and to get past the oh my god are we done yet mentality, you know. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> you know, you know, and, and you know, and once you do, uh, you know, horse stance at ninety degrees and or as low as you can for fifteen minutes you know, you know, you start to reap the benefits of that. So, you know, when 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 people say, oh, you know, it gives you a better center of gravity or a better awareness of your center of gravity, gives you stronger legs, uh, you know, stuff like that, then, you know, I I tend to agree with that. Um, and, it, you know, it gives you that, you know, don't quit attitude, because, you know, you guys know, right, you see a white belt, and, you know, they've only been in class for a week, and, and they do a a horse dance for, I don't know, two minutes. And you see him looking at the clock. Like, when are we done? <laughs> right. Or they start to cry. Or they start to cry. Um, and, um, let's see. Uh, Russ Ebert asks, so dances are for demonstration or to practice, or, pr- or to practice, um, bases between transitions? Um, and then it goes into a different, uh, different discussion about whips. <laughs> uh, Dan, Dan Dan writes, I've been I've seen a calisa, which is a, a basically a horse carriage or a horse cart. Um, I've seen a calisa driver in the Philippines use a horse whip in a fight once, he yielded some pretty nasty welt cuts on an attacker. Um, and like I said, Tim um, and Dan, you know, I hope to, to get talking to that a little bit later. But go ahead and talk about whip. Um, Matt Stone. Hey, how you doing, Matthew? Matt Stone writes in and he asks, um, stances. You have to define terms. What does stance mean? Because JK has a fighting stance. So if a stance means posture or position, then it's obvious that that I lost my, I can't read. (laughs) Then it's obvious Bruce's comment being misunderstood. If he means something like Zenkutsu-dachi, which means forward stance in karate, kokutsudachi, kibadachi, back stance or horse stance, okay, or their Chinese counterparts um, like ma bu, big that kind of thing, hmm. then holding them or fighting from them is generally and obviously a bad idea. Stances are used only in the moment, just like JKD fighting stance or a Mabu stance or any other stance. They're used for power and stability in that instance of a technique. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you. Ed. I'm going to get there. Long and long and long okay, let me chime in a little
3: happened. bit. Let me chime in a little bit. Okay. Uh. Okay, now, you know, Bruce Lee adds some forward-thinking truth. But then again jkd has a fighting stance it has transitions like goldie was referring to when you're in a combat situation even though you're using these stances as a transitional place they're never pretty (laughs) i've never seen anybody in a combat situation use a front stance where you can't see the toe with your knees bent i've never seen that but they are they but they hold their purpose now goldie very traditional practitioner how many times have you what we call it what we do is we practice natural stance training. Out of a shoulder width position, we'll practice our front kicks because that is more than likely where a combat is gonna start from. It's not gonna right, start right. where you even have time to bring your right foot back and go, Okay, I'm ready.
2: Right.
0: But
3: they well, do have their place
2: absolutely for training. Well, this, well yeah, this is what Matt is saying. He's not he's not disagreeing. Absolutely. Is what he's oh, no, no, um, I
3: wasn't saying anything about Matt, but Matt was right, and he was he was on the right path absolutely. I yeah, totally agree yeah. with what he said, as well as I agree with what Goldie was saying about transitional placement and yeah, and bouncing yeah. around to 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 gain the right position
2: exactly now you know i get the I get this question a lot, you know, like cat stamps, what you guys call cat stamps we call empty stamp uh, or flex key <laughs> stamps, right. Well, you know, and it's always the kids that ask the best questions. You know, they go, Sifu, you know, why would we fight like this? And that's when you have to explain stuff like that to your students, folks. So, you know, I told uh, my uh, Mighty Mike's class that, you know, I said, you know, me personally, I probably wouldn't start a fight from, you know, an empty stance or whatever, but, you know, If you know how to do an empty system, you can do a lead leg kick without having to, like, lean back off of that front foot. You know, you'll be able to know where your center of gravity lies on the front foot or the rear foot. You'll be able to control your center of gravity, too. That's why we practice our horse stance and our bow stance walks and our, like, ski walks and stuff like that, you know. um, And, of course, one other kid. Why do we have to hold the horse stance so long for testing? (laughs) <laughs> and for that you know, I have to answer it's for it's for building your strength and it's for building your patience you, keep looking at the, you know the kids kept looking at the clock whenever we would do horse dance training so when it came down to horse dance training i just take the, the clock off the wall and kids would know if the clock was off the wall they'd go oh my god we're doing crazy training." <laughs> Well when you're brain you know,
3: resting there's other training. Have you have you ever gotten swept have you ever gotten your front leg swept and ended up in
2: a horse oh, yeah. dance? Absolutely. I'm, I'm, of course. Or the splits or rip my pants or whatever. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, exactly. Definitely.
4: Yeah. Definitely. I'm sorry,
2: definitely.
3: I didn't mean to step on you, Goldie. Go ahead.
2: No,
7: no, no, you won't. because I agree with what you're saying. But if, if you really take if you were to take a um a movie of some of the fighting that you see around, whether it's Bill Wallace or or whomever. And if you were to take that and and put it into slow motion, you will see every stance that they have learned in transition. One of the things I used to do with my students, I would have them go to one side of the room, and I would say, okay, what I want you to do is I want you to walk forward until I tell you to stop. But when I tell you to stop, you freeze in position." And every mm-hmm. single one of them, when I said stop, stop in a modified forward stance, because that's how. Mm-hmm. But we don't walk that way. We walk that way. We look. We would probably fall over on our
0: face. <laughs> right. And, and and for
7: example, you know, when I have when I have them uh, uh, when I'm instructing uh, them on how to do a front kick or a back kick, I'll have them stand in front of a chair, and I say, you know, mm-hmm. the only thing different between a kick. It's a fact is your mind. It's what you're thinking. You're thinking kick. But in reality, you have been doing a front kick every day of your life, and you've been doing a back kick every day of your life. My job is to remind you of what you already know. So what I would have to do is i say, okay, what I want you to do is I want you to bring your knee up. I want you to step over the chair, free. Now, bring the foot back and put it back in its original position. That is a front kick because it's just like stepping over a chair and freezing before you put your foot on the ground, bring your knee back up and step back over the chair and put your foot back into the original position. And when they start understanding that the mechanic is the same of what they've been doing every day of their lives, they get away from, well, this is a martial arts or this is Taekwondo or this is Kung Fu or this is whatever, because, the moment their brain start thinking of that, their brain start also saying, I'm, able, I'm not able to do this because I'm not Oriental or I'm not this, that, or the other. But they've been doing it right. all their lives.
2: Mm-hmm. Exactly. Now, um, Ted Mattingly, um, who was guest uh, last week, he says, you know, in traditional stances, um, is worthy because we can't always depend on momentum to generate power. If you're in a corner, you should be able to generate power in a stance. Movement, movement should just be gravy. Um, I'm a believer in that if you can, like, let's say, hold a horse stance, okay, and you can have, then that greatly helps your ability to spring off that foot. right, or off of one foot or the other. Or if you can hold, you know, a bow stance or a cap stance or whatever, that you'll be able to use that ability of, Center of balance um, and being able to push off the rear leg or even the front leg to attack or retreat quickly and effectively. You know, now here's the thing, though, folks. You know, these traditional stances are flat-footed. Yes, we know that. Okay, horse stances are flat-footed. You know, bow stances are flat-footed, with the exception of like maybe you know um, some our fighting stance, which looks like a boxing stance or, or whatever, or the, the cat stance, you know, they're flat footed. And a lot of people, you know, will say, well, you can't move effectively or quickly if you're flat footed. That's true. But, you know, I don't know. I mean, are there people out there that believe that, you know, static training can indeed be coupled with modern eclectic, um, uh, street savvy training and still be effective and, and not be stuck on one or the other the reason why I say that is you know I've met plenty of of uh, people that you know study mixed martial arts but their base you know is not not as good as it could be on the other hand I've met a lot of traditionalists that have beautiful stances but you know can feel kind of awkward when they're you know, doing street defense or or even sparring. So, you know, I guess it goes both ways. But let's do this. We have another caller on the line, and I do believe it is the person that suggested this particular subject. Is this Tony Collins on Area Code 417? You finally got my number right. (laughs) You know, it's only been a week. Yeah, I know, (laughs) right? it's only been week, so I remember, but you know, give me two weeks and I'll forget. How you doing, Tony?
1: Wonderful. How about yourself?
2: Pretty good. Good to hear from you, man.
0: Good to hear so, from you too, as usual.
2: So, hey, thanks. So it's a great sub. You know, the uh, discussion is like just blowing up on the uh, on the comments down below in the uh, uh, under the feed there and stuff. So my question is, is that you know, you brought this. What made you think about this? Because it's a great subject. People are just piping like mad over there. I'm seeing on. Yeah. If I'm not
1: mistaken, if I'm not mistaken, I heard that on Dragon, the Bruce Lee movie. If I'm not mistaken,
0: mm. Uh, mm. I
1: remember hearing that in a movie where it was Bruce Lee. It, well, I don't believe it was him himself. Uh, for all I I know, it could have been Bruce Lee or any of those other guys that played him. But one of the things that they had said was talking about the the mess of martial arts or the or the, um, uh, the the static ideas of martial arts, and then they went in on stances and how stances were just exactly like those those um, ideas or concepts in the martial art that needed to be more fluid and, mm-hmm. and never, you know, standing directly flat-footed in a stance, which you see so very often, like. Uh, As for instance, in technique lines and stuff like that, you'll see, especially with tempos, we'll get into our neutral bows, we'll get into our forward bows as we throw that back fist punch. Uh, Mm -hmm. But the problem with that all being is that the fluidity is not there from that motion. Uh, Because you're standing hard, because you're rooted to the ground and not fluid, and the only thing you're doing is a foot transition most of the time, That is what I was thinking that they were talking about because, you know, believe it or not, sliding forward or sliding back uh, for some odd reason seems to be somewhat a little taboo. We have three basic stances that we utilize, which is the horse stance, the neutral bow, and the forward bow that are utilized as a static stance. We get in them, and that's our workhorse stances, so so to speak. And then, of course, the cat stance, as you mentioned, cross stances, whether they be front cross or rear cross, or twist Mm -hmm. stances, as they become once you've crossed and planted, that's considered a twist stance one way or another. Mm
4: -hmm. And those
1: are transition or transitory stances. And what I was trying to get at was they should all be that. They should all be transitory stances. Uh, Foot motions and stuff like that, even if you turn both feet toward your opponent, there's nothing wrong with that if you're doing the follow-up like a jab and rear cross follow-up, move your front foot for the jab, your rear foot for the cross, and your whole body motion complements your arms and complements the motion that you have, rather than trying to stay completely static in your stance. And then, yeah, of course, you, know, you have...
0: Go ahead. But, Sorry, But sir. You,
7: you remember when, uh, what Miss Park is always uh, what... telling us in class about, you have what we call we you have a category called stances. And those are all uh-huh. your static stances, whether it's right. the horse stand, twisting horse stand, um one legged stance, the crane stance, and so forth and so on. But right. then you have to put in there your foot maneuver. And in your foot right. maneuver Correct. you have your step through, you have your step drags, both forward and reverse. You right. have step through your reverse. Step, exactly. And so those step moves or your foot maneuvers are in conjunction with the stances, so the stances are never never set. Mm-hmm. You can never be set because when That's you're con- when you're concrete to the,
1: exactly right. you're exactly you, right. you're to the floor, you're going to get nailed. Right. That's correct, especially if you come forward with what I call a lack of intent when you come forward. Without doing anything, without, without your hands properly, without shifting your hand positions, and you're not fluid as you come forward. You just leave yourself standing there wide open for whatever your exactly. opponent is about to do.
0: And, mm-hmm. and when
7: you're in your stances, you don't have backup body mass. You know, right. like, like he used to always tell us, you know, what does the damage when a car hits a wall? Is it right. the bumper or no, is it the it's car? it's the entire
1: car. It's the exactly. entire car.
7: <laughs> so your weapon... The bumper doesn't, doesn't weigh entire- umpteen hundred pounds. Exactly. Whether you use a hand technique or a foot technique, if you don't have that body mass behind it, it will be ineffective. Right.
2: Exactly. That is exactly correct. Right. Exactly.
1: And, and that,
2: is, yeah. that is the
1: point that i was trying
2: to touch on tonight. Right. Now, Matt Stone, he says, I've, been, uh, I've always been of the understanding that we practice for, quote-unquote, perfect vision because we know combat is going to be sloppy. And the more perfect we can be, the less sloppy we'll be in that last moment of sloppy combat. So practice for quality chances, hoping to be less crappy if and when bad things happen. Um,
7: exactly. Think, think of it like this. You know, like I tell my students all the time, it is not practice that makes perfect. Because if you're practicing it wrong, it's going to be learned perfectly wrong.
0: Exactly.
7: I it is
0: wrong.
7: I that. that's that. <laughs> you know, I love. It. And I, I get I get tired of hearing t- uh, instructors tell their students, "You know, practice makes perfect," but that's not true. It is perfect no. practice that makes perfect. And so your chances <laughs> in their in their static form is focusing on perfection. So
4: right That when no you water.
7: are in when you are moving, then. You become as perfect as possible in the transition. It's just like mm-hmm. when I was a swimmer. You know, I spent a lot of time dry diving or dry swimming on the deck. But it's not the same as when I got in the water. Right. I would sink like a rock if, if I did not pick up that momentum. So it's going to get sloppy, but the thing about it is you don't want to get recklessly sloppy.
0: Right, right. right.
7: You, want, you want to have a purpose for that floppiness. or controlled floppiness mm-hmm. as, as Mr. Parker used to always say.
2: Mm-hmm. Nice. Now, Russ Ebert writes in, and he asks, what are some additional drills or exercises to practice transitions between stances um, to get the idea for dynamic, realistic motion and not the fancy-dancy kind of stuff? So um, – Let's, um, let's just kind of go roundtable on this. Uh, let's start with Bob. So, Bob, do you, you know, have you learned any exercises that, uh, or, or drills that, that focus on the transition or the, or the use of realistic fighting? You know, the most
3: realistic fighting, like I said, was from the natural stance, whether it's a back fist applying front kick and side kick if you've got multiple attackers. There's no real, you know, it's not really a secret. I mean, we used to spend hours on the mat practicing transition from one stance to another using a half-moon technique to cover the groin. I mean, I'd go Uh across the mat for literally hours doing that. Uh, So nothing really fancy on this end. Of course, I grew up in – G know, so that was a very non traditional not like the Kempo artists or or the Wuzu artists we have on the line, which was very traditional.
2: Let's go to Tony. Do you have any I'm sorry, used?
1: I didn't catch what you said. I had a little family problem go on. What 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 was it? I heard what Bob what Bob had said about standards, but what was the question? Well
2: the question that was posed by Russ Ebert, he writes, What are some drills? or exercises to practice transitions between stances, you know, to get the idea for dynamic, realistic motion and not the fancy-dancy stuff.
1: Right. Uh, In Kenpo, we have stuff called sets, and one of them is called stance set. We have stance set one and two. And stance set one and two, if you watch it, is supposed to teach you the, excuse this term, eloquence of stepping from one stance to the next.
4: Uh, mm-hmm. You're supposed
1: to keep your head level. You're supposed to keep your body at a certain height. You're supposed to keep all these different things. It's going on during stance set. It has you going out into neutral bows, going out into cross steps, going out into things like that. And for us, that right there is our, our idea of working from one stance to another. Then in mm-hmm. freestyle techniques such as B1A, base maneuver one, is to step out into your left forward bow or I'm sorry, left neutral bow, and then go into your forward bow as you strike. Those those type of freestyle techniques like that start teaching you how to apply that in a combat situation is what those the ideas behind those were. So we in Kenpo kind of have that covered pretty well. And then in a lot of our techniques, you're supposed to go from your neutral bow into, say, a cross stance as you do a back knuckle, or come out of that cross stance into a kick, or even go back from that cross stance to directly where you were a second ago to keep your opponent guessing as to where on earth you're going to hit him from next.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: That, that's kind of our answer to that.
2: Right. Okay. Let's go to Goldie Mack.
7: One of the things that uh, I incorporated is something that Mr. Parker had, had, had told me um, years ago, how we came up. Because when I first started in Kempo there was no neutral bolt. We only had the front stance, the back stance that you normally would see, uh, let's say, in in, uh, Japanese style or Korean style, where you lean back on that back leg, front leg is virtually almost straight. Well, Ed Parker Jr. was, was running track. And Mr. Parker noticed one thing, and that was he was a sprinter. And when you got into to the starting block, you exploded out of the part. Uh, the person that can get out of those starting blocks the fastest was normally the person that's going to win the race. And that's when mm-hmm. he created the neutral ball based on the, the, the starting block concept. So what I started doing was from time to time I'll take my students and, and we'll go and we will get starting blocks and, and explode out of the starting block with that punch making it a step through. We will explode out of the starting block with that step drag added into that. We will explode out of that uh, uh, starting block, the roundhouse kick right behind it. So that mm-hmm. gives them the uh, the impetus to learn how to explode from any position. But the key thing was to explode, not to be static, but to be alive.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Nice. Very cool. Um, let's see here. Um, there's a whole bunch of comments that just came through. Um, Russ Ebert writes in again, and he says, "In in comparing martial arts in their literal sense, practice, not application, and martial arts that are devoted to combat, should there be a clearer line defined for stances and their use? So like, you know, should there be a clearer line between, okay, this is the, the, um, uh, the art part of this uh, of um, of the stances and stuff like that. This is the practice of it, walking up and down the floor. And here's the application. You know, this is why you know these stances can provide you with the right leverage at the right time with these stances. Anyway, Russ is asking, should there be a clearer line defined for students in schools so that way they know. That there's a reason why they practice these stances, as opposed to teaching your students that okay, here's your stances, and eventually this is what you're going to be fighting out of. Um, Russ, did I get your question right? You know, should there be a clear? Should schools teach very clearly the difference between training a stance and what the benefits are, and how they can be in a fighting situation? I would like to weigh in on that one. Okay.
7: I would like to weigh on that one. Um, all right. Because not really. This is my own personal feeling. Because one thing, it's just like learning a language. English, for example, mm-hmm. when you learn to speak a language, you learn it, you know, phonetically, as Mister to always say. And if you try to learn, if you try to separate those two, then you have people talking. Cat, at, bat, at, all the time.
2: But you have to learn
7: things phonetically first, and that is your stances. Everything is phonetic. You know, one, two, three, four, five, six. But then you go from phonetic to learning how to speak coherently, fluently. It's the same thing when you learn how to write. You start learning how to write by printing. That is as static as you can get. But then you Mm -hmm. move from that phase of understanding on how to write to script writing. And then from there, you learn how to shorthand. So right. it's impossible to say, well, let's separate printing from this and the other, because without one, you don't have the other. You have to have that transition from one to the other, but you have to explain in detail why printing is important and how printing relates to cursive or script and how script relates
1: to, Mm
2: shortening. Right on. Tony, did you want to weigh in on that also?
1: Well, just that uh, to me, that's kind of up to the individual to teach that anyway. I mean, if you're going to talk about a stance, you need to talk about what it can do as opposed to what it does when you see it, say, in a technique. If we don't have a stance that goes through your opponent's leg in a technique, then we need to go ahead and show them, hey, this stance can move along this line here and go through their leg, or this stance can do this, or this stance can do that. So to me, it's up to the individual instructor themselves to know why would we step into this? Why would we match them knee to knee or the side of their knee with the side of our knee and then turn our foot? I mean, why would we do these things in these different stances? It's really up to us To point that out to our students, and yes, I think there should be a direct line of thought there for every individual stance that we have. Uh, A neutral bow looks really cool when you start off in your neutral bow, and you just learned it, and your front foot or your front toe and your back heel are on that line, and then you realize that there's little tiny variances as you step through there that could help you in a fight sequence to say make a two inch gap between that front toe and that back you'll see that, that line is say two inches wide versus a line that's one inch wide. And and you'll yeah. find that, that 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 little bit of a of a transition right there can mean the difference between having balance and not. And so it's always up to us to teach people what we do with our stances, and, and for me, though, I try to tell everybody, before you get too locked into the stance, please bear in mind, I want your stances to be something that you don't think about later on. I want them right. to be exactly. something that goes from being exactly. first and foremost in your mind, I've got to get this just right, to being all I have to do is step forward and defend myself, and I don't have to worry about this stance. It's kind of like trying to remember the differences between – I'm going to use techniques because he's going to understand what I mean. The differences between doing delayed sword and five swords, there's only a few, but they're there. And the differences not only are in how many hits that there are, but the stances are are the same. The movements are exact, and all you have to do is show the most differences. Mm
0: -hmm. And, And
1: there's subtleties in them.
0: Right. Yes,
1: very much.
7: You know, right. and like I, like I tell my students, as you progress in your training, your stances actually become weapons. That's right. You know, when when you do that step through, you buckling out that knee, left or right or inside or outside. When you are when you step through and then you step through in reverse and you pull into that cat stance, when you lift that foot, you actually do a scoop kick to the groin. Mhm. So exactly. Like we always say, whatever you can do forward. You should be able to do it in reverse, and that's why I say that when you look at fighters, even if you look at some of your own fights, if you take that and reverse it, rewind it, don't don't turn off, just rewind it, you will see the transition is happening in reverse as well as forward.
2: Mhm. Exactly. We have a uh, we have a technique that, that we call digit. Um Basically, you're using the elbow to um, do uh, opposite motions uh shearing motion uh, opposite movement from uh, on their lower body and the upper body basically it's a sweep but it's not done with the leg per se it can be done with stance primarily a horse stance and i was just teaching it the other day where you literally have to you have to step through really hard with what we call a slanted horse stance and boom drop your elbow um on their rib or on the hollow of their hip and they just fall right over you. And if you have a solid stance and uh, solid uh, control of your center of gravity, they just fall over and you don't go with them. Whereas I've seen, you know, people beginning with that technique, they don't have that base. They're not connecting their torso, their lower torso with the rest of their legs. So when they come forward, their body stays back and that cheapens and weakens the, the technique and it doesn't work. Or you know their upper torso is fine as far as you know holding it firm, but the stance walkthrough is weak. And you know then they wonder why they got swept down by by the person they're drilling with. So you know it's it's I feel it's important to to know that stances although you might not they serve a purpose for a moment in time for a snapshot. Now, Kathy Long is writing in. Hey, Kat. She writes, I've spent years developing speed and power while moving. There are times when a solid stance is important. Moving and striking is guaranteed to alter your stance. Um, Your movement becomes fluid. Striking can be powerful while moving as long as balance is superior. There you go. Um, Russ Ebergo, stances are weapons. Awesome. Um, Ted Mattingly writes in. Um, truth, Kathy, you showed it well. Um, uh, all your flights and Um, at uh, the Telethon Sex. Ramilio Olivieri, Sifu, Ramilio, how are you? He writes in and he says, I believe that uh, no matter what stance you're in or even not in, power should always be controlled and devastated. So, there you go. Uh, did I miss any other things here? Oh, David Bordeaux. He asks, "What don't just don't this way?" As far as you know, the progression of why stances can be beneficial um, into the rest of the training. And I wrote, "Well, some don't." And you know, I've met people that that are so hung up on the um, on the uh, Bruce Lee thing where they. Misconstrue the things that that Bruce said. Like they'll go, oh well, you know, they said not to to, to use no ways way, so I make my own fighting style. Or they, or they go, you know, Bruce said, you know, don't be hung up on the traditional. So, you know, I'm just gonna change everything in my art. Or you know, so and and most of these people that I've met, you know, they'll always. Poo-poo traditional like oh well, that shit that shit's bullshit you know you don't want to do that you want to do this you know, Taekwondo leap or whatever right <laughs> and you know so yeah it's it's, it's sad though that some people had that um, that type of extremist thinking but
7: but, but even know. if you look at but even if you even if you look at Bruce Lee he started out in traditional Wing Chun. And the stances are Mm -hmm. very, very traditional. All he did was up the ante of understanding those stances. And, you know, he took a little bit out of boxing. He took a little bit out of fencing. And all of that is something that we all do, whether we, you know, pay very close attention to the fact that we're in a fencing stance or we're in a boxing stance or we're in this, that, and the other. Because if you're thinking about all of that, whether your stance is you know, pristine and perfect, you're getting hit. You're not in the moment. You're not in the combat situation. You are trying to pose. You're trying to uh, uh, stylize and be a movie star. But the the fact of the matter is, like Mr. Parker said, it wasn't, you know, who was right. It's who was left in combat.
0: Mm-hmm.
7: And it is going to be <laughs> ugly.
2: <laughs> you know, <laughs> Santiago Santiago Vega just ran, and he writes, I always hang in a buffalo stance. Give you love, baby, not romance, so don't you get fresh with me. And I was like, what the hell are you talking about? And then I realized it was the song. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Remember that,
2: Goldie? I was hanging yeah. in those- a <laughs> buffalo I was like, what the hell? I thought he was like, I thought he was trying to make a move. Santiago, I thought you were like trying to make a move on me all time, right? I was hanging in a Buffalo stand, to give you love, baby. You know? I'm like, what? Oh. Ah. Now, I, now I better play that later, huh? Anyway. Um, Dan Arola writes in and he goes, Missing Bruce Lee out of context is like when, when fundamentalists pick parts of the Bible for sake of argument. Ha, ha, ha. Oh,
4: Is amen.
2: Exactly. Amen. Exactly, Dan. Oh, my gosh. That's, that's exactly it. You know, I, I don't know how many people I've met that say, well, you know, usually said blah, 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 blah. And half of these people probably took, like, maybe a year of this art and maybe two years of that art and maybe six months of another art. I don't have enough of a base to each one of those arts. To be able to form an opinion about, you know, realistic fighting, especially if they've never been in one. And that's, nah. Yeah. <laughs> it,
7: it, it's that an old well, antigo, a jack of
3: all trades and a master of none. Yeah, yeah,
2: exactly. Well, Rusty, if you my- have you ever
3: had somebody say something to you that, that absolutely made no sense, and days or weeks later you're going, oh, my God, that's what he meant. Mm -hmm. I've had that happen to me before. People take what Bruce Lee said at face value. What Bruce Lee said was to make you think. Yeah, Yeah. You know, somebody told me a long time ago, and this guy was full of crap. He said, well, Bruce Lee said, because he claimed to teach Jeet Kune Do. And I challenged Mm -hmm. him on it. He'd never Mm -hmm. studied Jeet Kune Do in his life. He said, well, Bruce Lee said everybody can teach Jeet Kune Do. I said, oh my no, God. that's
2: not what he said. I, what he said, oh God. Yes. so so just like the this sounds like the people that I've met that uh, you know six months to six months of that or whatever, and oh now I'm a fighter and, and stuff. And granted, you know, when I meet them, they you know their movement isn't bad, right? And you know, half the time they come to my school and trade you know introductory lessons or whatever, and some of them stay, some of them don't it's the ones that don't move their movements aren't so bad but then I get this well this isn't how I learned it in this art this isn't how I learned it in that art this and that and the other and I'm like you're not in this art art you're in this art now so how about we shut up and learn (laughs) oh my god hey Rusty if I
1: may
4: uh, mm -hmm?
1: if I may Yes, That would be like when we say everything is Kenpo, us expecting you to understand what we're saying.
2: Exactly. Exactly. And I don't, you know. Exactly right. You know, when you're like five swords, I'm kind of like, right over my head.
4: <laughs> yeah, I had another example
1: that I was going to use, but I knew that the only one who was going to get it were the Kenpoists on here, so I, I just yeah. quit. <laughs>
4: You know,
1: know, know, Remember what
7: Mr. Park used to say That there's no such thing as a pure art The only thing that's pure Is when pure knuckles meet pure flesh You get pure pain and you can't get any purer than that (laughs)
4: That's right Yes, yes, of course I love
2: Uh, it Yeah, I want to remind our listeners out there That if you call in um, You want to join us live on this discussion You want to press 1 On your telephone keypad Press 1 and that will uh, put you in our caller queue. Otherwise, I'm going to look at these numbers that are on my board, and I'm just going to assume that you're listening. But if you want to talk to us, please press 1. And somebody press 1. There we go. Thank you very much. We have <laughs> we have someone calling from area code 614. Area code 614. You're on Dynamic Dojo Talk TV. Who's this?
6: Hey, Rossi. This is David Bordeaux. How are you doing?
2: Hey, David. This is David Bordeaux of the David Bordeaux Show. How are you, man?
6: I'm doing pretty good. I was Just sitting back, listening to the show, and I thought I'd call in and see how
0: everyone's
2: doing. We're doing great. We're doing great. I like uh, your your comments here on the second board. So, what are you, what are your thoughts on stances and rooting and how how it's taught in martial arts and stuff like that?
6: Well, apparently I have a, a different background than what some people have had because of the comment that I made that teachers don't teach like this, you know, that as a question. But I, I do have an experience when um, when I went to – when I was deployed to Iraq, um, I was already um, – had already achieved a first-degree black belt in American freestyle karate and I had a certain view and understanding and I have a background as well, shiriru karate and I had a certain thought and a certain way that I taught stances and um, I met a gentleman who was a dog brothers um, stick fighting individual and had a great time chatting with him and we got in a conversation about stances one time and the way that I was talking about them were very static. I mean, uh, i and he, he was having a real hard time understanding what I was talking about, and I thought he like that he didn't have the ability to kind of visualize what I was referring to. So I would go into the stances, and he's like, "Yeah, yeah, I get that, but you're talking about them as though you don't move. Do you guys ever move?" So I'm like, "Yeah, of course we move," and he's like, "Well, see, what, here's, your, here's your issue. You're seeing you're seeing it and teaching it as a static understanding. You have to think of it as a dynamic process. And that really." While well, I understood that. Apparently, the way that it's taught in a certain way is is can help can help people understand that, or think of it in a static way. But ever since that conversation, I've approached um, teaching differently. But the the thing, and I mean that, really kind of opened me up because when talking to other karate practitioners, they do tend to have this very. Um, static sort of way of teaching but my question is don't other teachers teach this way is that even though coming up through the different karate styles that i have and the and the stances are very much uh, this is a very important stance you stand this way and you do all of these different things from the stance i was always
0: taught the
6: the understanding of you know in a sparring situation or in a situation, you are not still. You do move. And um, we were always taught that the purpose or the understanding of the stance and how it relates to the dynamic aspect of um, of the process. And and mm-hmm. to to hear that that isn't always the way that it's done is, is kind of surprising to me. I, I don't know if, if I'm fortunate in that or it just happens to be a different slice of teachers or what?
2: Hmm. Uh, yeah. It's, um. you know, I think that, that it is a different slice of teachers and stuff. Like, you know, like I said, I've, I've, I've met teachers that, that don't, they just show the techniques and don't explain it. And then, you know, you've got the uh, teachers that explain everything, but almost, too two months and the students still don't learn it. You know, <laughs> it's right. it's kind of wild. We've got some, uh, boy, the comments are coming fast and furious, folks. Thank you. Um, we have um, Matt Stone uh, writes it again. And uh, he writes, <clears throat> unfortunately, unfortunately, there are a lot of martial artists who haven't been in a real fight a single time in their lives but are quite certain they know what a question. Their techniques
0: are
2: <laughs> and that their instruction is unquestionable, uh, despite absolutely no evidence to support their opinion. When they preach the importance of the dance or this form or this odd drill, it's hard for anyone to take them seriously. They're a bit full of themselves and a bit empty when it comes to perspective on what they can and can't speak on authoritative, authoritatively. Uh, Professor Terry Faircloth writes in, and he writes, "It's weird." But so many people act as if Bruce Lee knew it all when, in fact, he was always learning and always changing, always evolving. He was very good at what he did and what worked for him, but the buck didn't stop with him, if that makes any sense. Yes, it does, sir. And uh, Ted Manningly says, I look for the similarities in all arts and learn. Dan Arola writes in again, when lifting heavy Excuse me, when lifting heavy objects, I do use the horse stance with the purpose to protect my back first and foremost before I grip and lift with my legs. There you go. And that's a moment of time that uh, he was talking about earlier how stances can be used for leverage in a snapshot of time or uh, a moment within a situation. So uh, we have Sean Leonard watching, Dutra watching. Uh, Mohammed, uh Zabir Al- Albuaterra uh, watching. Thank you. Uh, we still have uh, Santiago Vega, and he's so glad to make you laugh with the Buffalo Stance. I'm gonna have to close the show with that song. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: and um, I'm gonna bring up Goldie Max microphone again. There was a little bit of background noise that, uh, and we couldn't hear um, David there. So sorry about that, Goldie. So your mic is back up now. All (laughs) right. Well, we have about half an hour left to our show, and I kind of want to segue into the next subject, uh, which we're kind of segueing into because now we're talking about a little bit about um, teaching methods and how to uh, work your way, how to teach your way through a curriculum or whatever. We're kind of touching on that. So, this next question, this subject actually. Was suggested by Janie Larkin Meiser. She writes, "Question: What does a black belt do when their school has nothing more to offer them by way of ability level?" There we go. So that's the that's the new discussion subject and new question, folks. We can even probably uh, bring in some of that previous. Um, uh, talk about stances and stuff into this, but I'm um, guessing and i'm gonna I'm gonna just uh, guess at the meaning of this, <clears throat> I guess what asking is so if you're a black belt and you're attending a school and and they they've taught you pretty much everything quote unquote and they don't offer you a, a means of progressing your skill. What do you do? What can you do? What is a black belt to do? Do you stay and bear with it or do you somewhere else? I guess that's kind of the, the question there. So if you've got a, uh, if you want to discuss this, give us a call 347-677-0699. So let's, uh, let's start with Bob uh, because he's had his mic muted for a little bit, a little bit. What are your thoughts on this, Bob?
3: Well, there are a number of thoughts. Uh, There's a number of schools that will teach the full curriculum and then it's just time in grade to rank to the next level, whether it's one year, two years, five years, or whatever. Right. From my experience, the, the best thing to do is hang in there and delve in more so. Now, she probably does a lot. Of teaching, but delve more into the teaching because the more you teach, the more you will learn, the more you will progress uh, and mm-hmm. start, you know, start coaching if you're not already doing that. But mm-hmm. I'd, I'd hang in there because if you're, if you're stuck in a nuts, but if you've, if you've been in the style for a long period of time and they have gone through the entire curriculum, odds are, if you start with another school, you're pro- you up. may be stuck yeah. in the same position.
2: Right, we're so turning. I hang
3: in there and I I delve more into, into into teaching.
2: Okay, you know Eric Dutra, he he answered the question with start your own school, LOL. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, there's the answer. That, that's actually not a bad answer.
2: <laughs> well, you know that goes into what you were saying about you know if you teach you, you learn, you know the ins and outs of your techniques and stuff like that. And Russ Ebert asks, well, what does a school have to offer other than training? It offers partners, right? So there you go. Um, And he also adds, is teaching the way we learn more, or should we seek others to teach us? Oh, good question. I I think that's another, um, uh, another layer to the onion of the question that Janie posed. So what about that, you know? Um, should we teach to learn more about what we already know or should we seek new instruction? Um, We can add that to there. Um, So let's go to Tony. Is Tony still with us? Yeah. Let's go to Tony. What are your thoughts?
1: Well, my thoughts are this. Actually, you're, you're looking at a circumstance there as a, for instance, if you're in a school and the instructor is a first degree black belt,
0: and right, you have right.
1: learned all of their curriculum up to first degree black belt. Now, then, where do you go from there? Well, if right. you have learned the entire art up to that point, which is what's supposed to happen when you when you're training like that, uh, then the only thing that you can do is either teach in that in that uh, in that dojo, or you can cross train. Even if it's in the same art, cross-train in the same art with somebody who's of higher rank. Mm -hmm.
0: Um,
1: You can do that through very different ways. Kenpo's kind of weird in that uh, we can do that in in so many different ways. It's not even funny. There are videos out there that you can use as a reference. I don't say use a video as a teaching method, but as a good reference. Uh, mm-hmm. But once you have the basics and everything else, you'll understand that, you know, when somebody says sandwich elbow, we know what that means. Uh, so mm-hmm. it really, that, that's a circumstantial thing. But if you're talking about a, a school that says that, that, you know, they've learned what they feel like is everything they can possibly learn from the entire system, now, that's a totally different circumstance altogether yeah. because if you think that you've learned everything that you can from the entire system, I think you better talk to the people who's been in that system longer than you because all you really are is kind of like an artist who doesn't have just that right picture that he can draw or he can paint just yet, and all he has to do is keep plugging at it and keep plugging at it, and you will learn more from, that, from the, of the techniques from there. Uh, because there is no system that stops. There shouldn't be. There is always a way to advance in any type of, of system, so you can't really know the whole thing. But as far as, like I said, a, a single belt level or something like that, yeah, that's that's as simple as maybe going to somebody who's one step higher than where you are. But also remember that you, you must talk to the person who's training you. Don't just right. assume walk out and go join, uh, I'm using this last name just out of the blue because my grandfather's last name is Miller uh, go join Mr. Miller's class because I'm at first degree black belt, my instructor's at first degree black belt and I can outdo him in certain things, no, you need to talk to him because maybe just maybe he hasn't taught you everything yet and you only think you know it
2: Amen True, (laughs) true Amen Alright, I wanna pull up um I'm gonna pull up uh, pull up, uh again because uh um because uh Goldie's GPS was uh, telling me to turn left. So ke <laughs> kept turning left and I kept running into the wall. So Goldie, what are your thoughts on, on the on this uh question that Janie?
7: Well I agree with what everybody else has been saying. One of the things is is that an instructor may teach you everything that you know, but at the same time, he may not be teaching you everything that he knows, and so mm-hmm. you're, you're going to have problems.
4: Right.
7: And, and one, one of the things...
2: Stay in the left lane. Stay in the left
7: lane. Yeah. Stay in the left
2: lane, Goldie.
7: I'm trying to drive at the same time, so, so I'm trying to stay left here.
2: Stay left. Stay in the left lane. Well please be
7: careful.
2: <laughs> yeah, please be careful. Definitely.
7: So I'm gonna guess I'm gonna sign off and, and listen from here on out until I can get off uh, get off okay. this road.
2: Okay. Alrighty. All right. so, Perfect. Yeah. Um it's true. Um you, know, you might have you might have I'm keep turning left. I'm gonna turn off your mic for a second there, holding. Okay. Um so that's true. a the good, good point that you made. Uh, Tony, and that's what Bert says. That you know, I, I uh, about all that. And then what Goldie says, you know, might teach you everything that you know, but they might not be teaching everything that they know, or they might not be teaching everything that you might have initially looked for and didn't find. So, for example, you know, um, let's say you wanted to do judo, you know, but you come across a karate school. Uh, and you fell in love with the karate school because, because the, the people are great there, um, and uh, the the history of the art is wonderful, and uh, the students are great. And you figured, hey, I want to study this. Uh, but somewhere in the back of your mind, you really wanted you wanted to study grappling. Now you know that your student doesn't have grappling or judo or jiu jitsu or anything like that, um, and uh, you know. What do you do, right? Now, Russ also asked, you know, so let's just say you do decide to seek out, like, let's say, a higher rank. So in accordance to your point, Tony, you said, well, what if that teacher is a first degree and he's taught you everything he knows up to first degree and can't advance anymore? So if we seek out a higher rank, we have to cut ties with our previous school or not? Will they get political at that point or not? That's a good question, Russ. So, Bob, what are your thoughts on that?
3: Uh, I had to check to see if I was muted. Absolutely, it's going to get political unless hmm. it's done the right way. A lot right. of a lot of students will go cross train without giving their instructors permission. I've well, seen yeah, many instructors yeah. cut ties with students because they just left. They they didn't leave, but but they went to cross train with somebody else without asking, and I've caught, been mm-hmm. caught in the middle because the student tells me, or I'll I'll be teaching. For example, I went to teach a seminar at uh, a school here in Burbank, where I saw one of my dear friend's students that mm-hmm. she never told him she was going to go to this guy, and he just said, you know what? And he went to her and said, you know what? There's only one master. There should only be one master. In your life, and since you're going to cross train, get out. So yes, it will be become political. Now here's the thing, or it can. It may or may not. Now one time I did it (laughs) correctly. I asked my instructor's permission, and he still got mad.
2: Well, yeah, because you know no one wants to think that. Why are you seeking something else? Am I not good enough for you? In a way, the ego kind of goes in there, you know, and some. Some yeah. you know, schools uh some schools dojo kun their you know, their you know, their code of manners and stuff like that. Some will say, you know, that this is once you join you're in for life. It's like the mafia. <laughs> right?
0: right? You know? <laughs> and
2: <laughs> no matter what you do, you know, no matter what you wanna do, too bad so sad, you gotta stick with this art. Um a, and I've met you know, people of, of, of places like that. But you know, I do believe it is based on the instructor. Me I I'm a believer in that you want to be compre- comprehensive in your art. However, you know, if you're if you're a yellow belt and you decide to do B J, right, then you know, then you come come in and um mix something in there. Okay, well, you know, that's great. But when you start, you know, mixing Things together and you start you start diluting in a way uh, and mixing up stuff in your you know judo class or in your you know style of Filipino martial arts class or whatever. If you start stirring in both or in three different arts or whatever, because you don't have a base strong base in that art, then um, you know what good is it, right? I, I see a lot of you know, young students doing karate or taekwondo, and then they try to cross-train in BJJ, you know, and then, oh, I want to do kickboxing. Like, But they're yellow belts, and they still don't know what the heck they're doing with their stances, so to speak. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> Just like what we were talking right. about earlier, you know. And, oh, now they're going to do BJJ, you know. So now they're going to be in this modanking where everything's on the ground, you know, okay. Now we're gonna do kickboxing. Okay, now everything's a stand up, and you know, and it's just, yeah, it's it's just so weird, like that. Anywho, um, Eric Dutras, my sensei encourages me and also teaches it. He does, he does it himself. He says it's it's good to be well-rounded. I agree, Eric. Um, you know, I when when students come to me and say, how do you feel? If, how would you feel if I cross-trained in like BJJ? fine, (laughs) you know? But on the other hand, if they, like, did something like, let's say, I don't know, um, I can't even think of an art that would be radically different. Um, I don't know. So, you know, if somebody wanted to learn karate, right? Or Taekwondo Leap. Why don't we just Taekwondo Leap? (laughs) Someone wanted, (laughs) one of my students wanted to learn Taekwondo Leap. You know, I tell them, well, might want to like get a better base in this first. Well, you let Tommy do PJJ. Well, yeah, because it has, you know, they're primarily on the ground, right? We teach in my school, we teach primary you know, our our grappling, so to speak, starting from stand up and and being able to work with it in, you know, a standing range and a, you know, middle range and all the way on the ground and stuff like that. You know, what am I going to do? Just drop on my back and go get in my guard. You know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's not going to work. Um, so I tell them, you've got to have a case. And some other martial artists will say, well, you should at least get your first black belt in an art before You go somewhere else. Okay, and then you know, that's what I did. Uh, you know, after I got uh, my first black belt in karate, I sought out kajikambo. Then I sought out shu and, 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 and uh and to the martial arts and shi and bagua and all this that kind of stuff. And... If you, and this is just my opinion, folks out there listening, if you study enough and get a base enough in each of those arts, or even get teaching certifications in each of those arts, you learn to be that comprehensive person and you learn to also teach that comprehensive uh, method of thinking without, how shall I put this, without um, sacrificing anything in your students learning, so without sacrificing, you know, good standards and stuff like that. So anyway, that's just my take on that. <laughs> so let's look at comments again here. Ross Ebert writes, are schools more open to cross-training now than, like, let's say the 1990s before the UFC? I remember the 1980s, um, it was being uh, really restrictive and jealous. Or was it just me? So do you guys remember the 80s? Bob.
0: <laughs> God, you suck. <laughs> I just <did>, suck, dude.
4: <laughs> I'm an 80s kid. God, I remember you the 80s. I'm
2: not, I wasn't what? I wasn't, like, a, I wasn't like hinting that you were old or anything like that. Oh, God. What the hell up dude?
4: I know, right?
3: So what was the question? Yes, I remember the 80s.
2: Well, Russ writes, say that ten times fast, Russ writes, Russ writes, Russ writes, are schools more open to cross-training now than, let's say, the 1990s before the NFC? I remember the 1980s being really restrictive and jealous, or that just me?
3: You're, no, you're absolutely right, Russ. That, 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 but back in the day, there, there was no cross-training ever, and your teacher would never give you permission But back in the day, as as Goldie remembers it, because he's been training a lot longer than any one of us,
0: uh,
3: (laughs) where if if somebody if another school disrespected the school, there'd be a challenge. You'd have knocks on the door. They don't do that anymore. But absolutely, you're absolutely right, 100%. There was no cross training back then.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's bring on the originator of this discussion subject that is garnering so many comments. Let's bring on Janie. Janie's at area code 214. Did I get that right? 214, Janie, is that you? 214? Oh, crap. Maybe it's 270. Hold on. Yeah,
7: <laughs> two, there you two, go.
2: 270, two, seven, Janie, is this you? Yep, there I am. There you are. There you are. There you are. are. So this, Janie's the originator of this cool discussion subject that we're, that we're talking about right now. So, hey, what are your thoughts on this, uh, Janie? Oh,
5: well, it's actually a, uh, it's a, something that I'm I'm been through and going through for the past several years now. And, um, yeah, i kind of, uh, My school is kind of stagnant now. has nothing really more to offer me as far as there's always something more to learn. Uh, Right. I'm a true believer, and there's always something more. And when you have more experience in combative type situations than your master, Mm -hmm. then there's to me there's a problem. (laughs) Wow. Uh, Okay. So if you want to learn,
0: so is it that
2: is it that the curriculum has nothing more to offer that the curriculum itself, or is it that the teacher doesn't, because, you know, the teacher can add on stuff to a curriculum, right? So, wow. He's, he's,
5: he'll, he gets you up to first degree. And then from there um, he can get you through your second degree form, your third degree form and fourth degree form and maybe a few others, but, Uh, as far as learning more uh, basic self-defense steps and uh, what we call wholesome tool, which is your escape techniques, he's very limited. Um, Mm -hmm. So he says that, you know, if anybody needs to learn any of those things, I'm the one to go to. Um, And, but I'm not, you know, I'm bringing stuff with me that I've learned in the past and a few other things. So now... Uh, it's like okay, when my next testing comes up, what am I going to do? You know, I need more than just my my forms. Mm-hmm. You know, I need more than just breaking. Now my breaking, I, you know, I can break through, you know, two boards and and three bricks, no big mm-hmm. deal. But now I'll be going on to three boards and four bricks. So, you know, I I need him to step up his game. You know, and maybe right. there's more, I just don't want to stick with the same stale stuff.
2: Right. You know, right. There's,
5: have you, there's something more out there.
2: Has this been brought up with your teacher at all?
5: No, mm-hmm. oh, I've talked to him, I've talked to him several times. Uh, right now, his love is um, is his sport karate. So, I mean, he's very technical. Um, mm-hmm. He's... Um, very precise in, in your forms and stuff like that because they compete they've, you know, they've got world titles from uh, WKU World Kickboxing Union and stuff mm-hmm. like that and their school is known through uh, the Cri Commission and all that but as the school goes, I mean they're great people as far as tournaments go and if you want a point spar, great that's wonderful but when it comes to stuff on the street, what now? you know Yeah. Wow. Well, and so, and, well, well. and I'm limited I'm limited in the area now to <gasps> uh the Japanese style jujitsu, I was learning. Um my grandmaster has stepped back a little bit because he lost his wife and um he's got some injuries. Uh he studied with Jun Ree and I was learning, you know, some stuff that Jun Ree taught him. So I mean, <laughs> that was awesome and it was giving me a leg up. So now I'm stuck. <laughs> Oh, okay. So, yeah. yeah, so now I'm instructing and I'm 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 always going to instruct, you know. And I'll be loyal to the school cuz this is my school. But right. it's kind of um disheartening, I guess you would say, because now I know I can learn so much more and then I'm stagnant right now. Mm. And I'm afraid that other students are going to get stagnant. Right. So and I, and I don't want the kids to 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 suffer because of sport karate or whatever else, you know. Yeah. Now what's what's the highest rank in your school right now? It varies. We we skip. We have a well. We have a first degree. We have two junior black belts and two uh, second degrees. Myself and one other, and then um, and it skips to fifth. And uh there's we don't have any adults other than my daughter, myself, and Mr Stringer, and then the two uh masters, which are father and son.
2: Oh. So yeah. it's primarily kids.
5: Yeah.
4: Hmm.
2: So let's go to let's go backwards in our thing here. Um so this is Janie's fight, you guys. Let's see if we can End the show with uh, just some thoughts on this. Why, why, why don't we bring up Goldie's mic here, um, Goldie? Are you at a place where you can drive safely? <laughs> <laughs> I guess not. <laughs> let's go to um, Let's go to David. David, uh, what are your thoughts on uh what Janie was just talking about?
6: I can't go. Well, Janie's in a in a tough situation to because, back because back now, but I Come on, initially be with my what my thought was with the the initial question um, is it, it really depends on what your intention is, and you know without hearing her story, looking at the at the question is pretty much, are you doing this to to better yourself or to have a fulfillment in the martial arts, and if so, and you've kind of and the well has more or less run dry, then you know, it would be a good idea to look to another either instructor or school. Um, and of course, it's, it's always tough to recommend going to another school, even if you stay with your old school because of the potential political um, concerns or egos yeah. that get hurt. And, you know, even as if the If the school to what the person is going to, if that is their livelihood, having another student or having a student go to another school might take that income with them. Not everybody has Mm -hmm. the luxury. I know I sure don't, but not everybody has the luxury of being able to train at more than one school and, you know, still pay the tuition in that. So. The the question that I had to begin with was, you know, what is the intention? Now there are some of us who get into the um, into the martial arts training, and it's it's their life. This is that, and on top of that, they want to teach and they want to instruct. And if that is your path, then being an instructor, you, in my opinion, you almost have to. Go to another instructor or cross-train in some way, especially if you want to stay at the school that you're at and you're able to teach there because then you can bring back what you have learned and not only if if able to teach what you have learned at your current school, but what I like to do and what so many other instructors that I know tend to do is they take this other art or even the same art but at a higher level, bring it back to school and compare and contrast contrast to either the style or what his art is already being taught at that um at that school now for for her though it sounds kind of rough and you know i i do have a background in sport karate and i i do understand how it can be tough because in some schools, once you hit a certain degree, and it's, for me, it seems to be like around third degree is where this tends to happen. You, There seems to be kind of like this divergence where people go off and they become kata experts or
4: mm-hmm. point
6: sparring experts. Um, and if that's the direction that you want to go, that's awesome. And you can continue to go there. But if your desire is beyond the quote sport side of it, and Mm -hmm. you're looking more for the self-defense, um, aspect, you, I mean, it's, it's almost in your, in front of you saying you need another instructor. Now I, I appreciate the loyalty that is expressed about the school where she's currently at. Um, and that's, and that's wonderful. And if instruction is definitely a path that is kind of like the, yeah, I, I, I want to be an instructor. I want to, and I need to do this as kind of my passion. Then my recommendation would be to talk to the current master at the school, the concern, and see if it is acceptable to go to another instructor, either in the same style, which it almost sounds like sport. Um, the sport karate probably won't be what you're looking for, um, or to like another art or another style within karate. And bring that back to the school. Because it sounds like you're already being deferred to when it comes to anything beyond kata or sparring.
5: Correct. Yeah. Um, Well, that's the thing. We've, we've, you know, um, my first master father, he already said that, you know, everybody wants to specialize in one thing or another. Some special in kata, some special in, uh, you know, point sparring or sparring and others you know in self defense and um that's where my specialty comes in play cuz i you know sport karate is all great and wonderful for people who you know who want to compete i'm i'm not one who competes i'm i'm in it to learn self defense um i'm i'm right. in it to teach women how to defend themselves cuz i'm um i run the uh, the women's self defense classes there um, I've even thought about, er, er, and I'm trying to start my own self-defense school, not so much a martial art, but a self-defense school. Um, right. Because uh, I know a lot of people don't want to be belted, and that's fine. That's absolutely fine. Um, but for me to progress in my art, um, and I have talked to other uh, people in my style, um uh, which is ITF Taekwondo. Um, I find it kind of shocking because some of them don't know any self-defense stuff. It's all sport karate.
0: Right. Wow. Right.
6: And that—that's yeah, um, one of the. Uh, uh, I apologize. That's one of the things where I—I I have been in a similar situation as yourself, where sport karate, sport karate is fine and it's great. Um, I too am more for the self-defense aspect of it. I still teach sport karate. At the same time, my focus is the the self-defense um, area. So I had to take that that change and to bring in other styles that actually complement that and support that for myself. And, and it sounds like there's still like this 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 struggle within you to kind of make that leap to, to change the change directions. And, and I mean, where, where, where is that coming from? I mean, I understand that you're very loyal to the school and that's awesome, but where, what is the, the hang up that you have? Cause it sounds like you already know what you want, but not almost, almost kind of feels like you're not giving yourself that permission to take that next step. Oh, I'm not. <laughs> Where does that come from? <laughs>
5: um, I don't like stepping on toes. Mm-hmm. There's uh we, uh, this place isn't very big. And okay. uh, the three schools, that there's only three schools in this general area. Um, and I guess I just don't want to disrespect anybody.
2: Right.
6: Okay. Well, maybe, maybe there are some options um I mean, ha, ha, maybe, I don't know if I maybe missed your answer to this, but have you talked to your master regarding your current situation? And if so, what was um, his or her um, comment? I mean, what, what was what was their I response?
5: Have... It gets danced around a lot.
6: Hmm. By you uh, or by them?
5: It's by them. That's not one of those uh. things where, um, you know, <sighs> There's a lot of good ideas, you know that sounds great, stuff like that. It's more like brushing it under the rug type um they're more they're more interested in what's what they want to do with their school um right and what's concerning them at, the point, at that time than it is really concerning their students or their instructors. um I'm not the only one that's feeling like this <laughs> oh. the second degree is uh, is feeling feeling it too. And it's kind of pushing us back a little bit where we don't want to train anymore. But I have to because I have women who depend on me to be there.
6: I think that you already have your answer and that you already know the answer, but it's more of an emotional um, blockage that you have at this point right now, and and understandably so. Um, If if you are not, I mean, obviously you have to be concerned with what your needs are in that. And at the same time, if there are others that are either expressing it or it's coming to light that there's an unhappiness, there is a need that needs to be fulfilled and apparently it's mm-hmm. not being filled. So either the right. school can try to ad- address that, which I mean, as, as a business person, I, I would do what I can. And if if that's not my direction of business, then, you know, I, right. I, I personally would give blessings to have that fulfilled because but, I mean, it sounds like that that you already have your answer and you already kind of have a direction that that's right there for you, but it's more of an emotional connection to to that that that's holding you back
5: sure but this, and I, I go ahead sorry well, well, I was saying that you know for me to progress more because like I said, there's always something to learn, you know, going to seminars and stuff like that, but there's really it's funny because. I'm 45 minutes from Louisville, Kentucky. You know, it's a big place. There's all kinds of different schools down there, but there's no real seminars. You know, there's there's nobody's really put it because most of the people who are down there are affiliated with my school because um, we you know, they started with the Professional Karate Commission doing regional tournaments and then before uh, our school got into the WKU aspect of it, the world, you know, the world stuff. Um, and so it's hard because, um, you know, I just learned that there's an Aikikai school down there, and I really want to get back into Aikikai. But school, uh, as far as work goes, that's kind of holding me back because we had to change, we had to change our work hours. So now I'm kind of stuck. Um, mm. as far as that go. So, you know, I guess it's just the progression of it because I know I can go to seminars and I can learn from seminars. I mean, I'm teaching a seminar uh, on the 24th, but if there's something more that I can learn or easier for my ladies, mm-hmm. you know, because my, my goal is to get them not to get to the ground. Right, right hit quick and hard and get out of the way, Mm -hmm. you know? So if I can keep them from getting to the ground and and there's an easier, faster way of doing it, I want to learn it.
0: Mm -hmm.
6: Well, so what it really does, so what it sounds like is that you have not only potential emotional (laughs) thing to kind of let it go, but (laughs) more, more of a, more of a logistical because it sounds as though if the logistics of it were to be there, Mm-hmm. then I, I, I get that sense that if logistically you had a fairly clear path or at least a somewhat of a muddy path, but one that's at least identifiable as a path, it kind of sounds like you, you have that, that, that need and that want to, to make that step. But it, it, right now it sounds that logistically you're not able to, to get what you need so that way you can help as you already call them, your ladies, you know, Right. And if, if you're already if you already have that kind of spirit of of people that depend on you and that you you already have your you already know what the answer is. And so then it comes down to what you've already experienced, which is the logistics of for you getting that training, getting that information. Um, if mm-hmm. if you want, I, I would like to, to trade some information with you after the call and that and we could kind of keep in touch and maybe we can work something out for you but logistically it sounds like that's kind of your biggest hang-up and right. and what, what makes it what makes it i mean it's kind of like the answer is there. you you already have the answer
5: right Interstraint, self-defense needs to come to play
0: <laughs> <laughs>
5: wow so are you two already friends on
2: facebook i don't remember
0: she no, no, we're
2: not. No, no. So do, do get a hold of each other, you guys. Um, David Bordeaux and Jamie Larkin Miser, you guys will find each other on uh, on our comment thread here. But we have we're going over time and uh, we're yeah. gonna have to otherwise so blog talk radio will kick us off itself. <laughs> it's uh sad and unfortunate, but wow, what a great discussion, day! It was just awesome. What are your thoughts on this, Bob?
3: Oh, absolutely! We had you know had over twenty people watching you on Facebook. We had well over two hundred comments on the subject. It really worked out well. There were no egos taking place. It was just a great subject matter that we've never touched before.
2: Mhm, yeah, it's a great discussion and uh, let's bring up Goldie Goldie. are you still there?
7: Yeah, I'm here.
2: Right on. Thanks for been, joining us. I've been listening. Thanks, thanks for joining us. And Tony, thanks for joining us, man. What are your thoughts?
1: Ah, uh, You're very welcome, man. My thoughts are now she's on the right path. You know, all martial arts has its place, but not all places lead to where you need or what you need from a certain martial arts. Um I think that in all honesty she's on the right path, she's on the right track now and if I can interject just one little tiny thing look into also Krav Maga now I just made every one of my Kenpo friends hate my guts but uh, Krav Maga women's self defense is absolutely amazing Uh, and to watch it, you know, we see aspects of a lot of different martial arts that's mixed in with Krav Maga including Kenpo and others and it's it's one of those where it's very fast, very hard-paced, and it will challenge you.
5: Yes, sir. I've, I've, I've dabbed into some Krav and also uh, some hot Keto. So I'm I'm trying to verse myself <laughs> in a lot of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> nice.
1: Those, those are your good stand-up ones right there. That Krav keep keeps your lady standing the whole time.
5: Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, well, Janie. I appreciate I hope- everybody. Thank you so much. You you rock, Janie.
2: The David and Janie get you know uh, get hooked up there on, on Facebook and and stuff like that, so you can exchange uh, information. Thank you so much for offering that, David.
1: Oh, definitely. Yeah, Thank you for
2: having me on. Thank you, and thanks, Bob, for being always being a great co-host and. This is Rosita and Robert, and we're going to be signing out. We'll see everybody next time. Bye, everybody. Thanks, everybody. Bye. 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 Take care, guys. Bye. Hey, Bob, I'm going to need that
0: Uber driver. <laughs> 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 bye,
2: bye, you guys. Have a great rest of your weekend.
7: Bye. bye. You too.